The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. everyone welcome back to everybody's dead dave our red dwarf review podcast featuring myself adam martin and as always my co-host philip hawkins hello hello that do be him and that do be me we're back with another episode we're continuing our trek back to earth as it were with part two of the uh, three-part mini-series special whatever you want to call it that originally went out in 2009 which feels like a very long time ago that um, was if- 13, no, yeah, 13 years ago. 13 years ago at the time of recording. Crazy, isn't it? I remember I watched watched every episode in bed as I went to to sort of bed that night. (laughs) It was was actually, I think it aired all in one week. I think it aired three days in a row rather than weekly. I've heard Dave as a channel, every time there's a new series, like tends to do that. They do like a run of every episode ever before the the new series, I think. At least I've read that somewhere. Mm. I'm sure some fans will be able to pick it up in the comments. But yes, we uh, part one, I think it's fair. Th- I mean, if you haven't heard our uh, takes on part one, maybe go and listen to that first so you're all up to speed. But if you're joining us again from that, I think it's fair to say, Phil, our thoughts on part one weren't particularly too good. No, I mean, I think we managed to pick out a couple of things we maybe slightly liked about some elements. Yeah. But yeah. I think it was very much searching for a needle in a haystack there. We were... Exactly. We, we had to really. We were trying to find elements. the good. We were. <laughs> we do like but, to find some good in in stuff. Yeah, because it's often there. But yeah, there was a trying to think like dodgy CGI, a lack of a studio audience, which didn't really help a lot of the jokes. There was there was lots of things going on there. But hey, part two, when we left off, we had a dimension uh, hole port or whatever you want to call it open. Maybe this was all going to be quite different. So we may as well start back at the beginning. So. With part one, we're still on Red Dwarf. The dimension hole has been opened. Um, but I want to say, you know, the credits for this series, the opening mm. tune, obviously it continues the trend of, you know, showing bits of what's to come in the series and all that. But I quite like that the, now we get the lead cast in it as well, like with their names. Oh, you know what? I hadn't... Did we We never get that before then? No, it was in series... I think series three was the first time it, you know, did the clips because series one and yes. two was the slow panning shot. But... From series three to eight, it was just clips. There were there it wasn't. There were no names, no focus, or anything. I don't know. I just yeah, I thought it slotted in nice. quite well. It didn't feel unnatural. I quite liked it. Yeah. So th- there you go. There's something we like, right? Yeah. Off, I think right they get the well, also another thing I liked about the opening is that the Red Dwarf logo feels a bit 3D esque. Yes. Yes. Got a bit of, of a in a kind of, of very look. sort of Windows XP type way. <laughs> it was 2009, folks. It was a, yep. <laughs> certainly a different time. Um. And so as this as this portal's being opened, the, the science officer, um, the, the dimension opens, it says invalid. In, was it invalid reality or something like that? Yeah. What did you yeah. think when they said that initially? Uh, well, I thought it was sort of a, a setup for a sort, you know, a weird gag or something. Like maybe we'd get a quick glimpse and then she'd find the right reality, if you get me. Like sort right. of a window shopping thing. Um, but no, it, I mean, it, it gets invalid and then it... it things start to go awry. Although what I will say is I quite, the physical comp, there's this bit with Crichton and Rimmer, you know, where he's like, have we got any dirt on her and all that sort of stuff. The physical acting's 
good, like good as always. But I don't know. It felt slightly awkward as well. I don't know if that's again yeah, lack of a again, studio audience of, or with the lack of the laughter and the kind of. But they're still leaving spaces for the laughter. It feels like we said this last time. It, it everything kind of feels like really awkward. Like somebody's made a joke when somebody makes a joke in a room and nobody laughs. It's yeah. It's like it's oh, one of those awkward. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what I do like though is as things start to go wrong with the machine, a lot of this like loud, funky incidental music plays. And I know I mentioned it in part one that some of the incidental music I actually quite liked. I felt it punctuated those moments quite well. And I'd say for this bit, because it's more like with things going wrong, it did sort of fit that really well. But I did find it a bit overpowering after a while, especially since we're not used to it in mm, Red Dwarf, really, possibly. on the whole. I, I was actually thinking at one point, it was a bit later on, but I, I did wonder if maybe a bit more incidental music where there wasn't any mm. might have helped cover those the lack of laughter. I more. think so. Yeah, uh, just something, just something yeah, in the background. Yeah, because a lot of the time yeah. it was it was completely dead. Like there was nothing. Yeah, there was just a gap. And I think some more incidental music. Maybe it would have been overpowering. I don't know. But I th- I had the thought. Oh, maybe they should have really ramped up. And if they're going to go this route of having it, you know, single camera and do it more yeah, like film. Yeah. Have the sort of film soundtrack to go with it. And they do in parts, like you say. Yeah, but they it do. Just, it felt like it should have been more. It's a bit inconsistent, I guess. It really like either have it go all the way with it or just leave it out, maybe. Yeah. But, um, in the while we're in the hangar, I'm hmm. I'm gonna make the comment about the CGI again. Oh, or the, go for or it. Go specifically, for it. the green screen onto the CGI background because again, yes. it looked really bad. Yeah. <laughs> the environment itself and the hangar, yeah. would look fine, but mm-hmm. the characters being put into it does not yeah. look good. No, and it's a shame because I think we said from last time, out of all like the CG sets that we saw, I think we, I think we both agreed that we thought the hangar looked the best in terms of like getting the vastness of Red Dwarf across. Yeah, the, the, like this was a big ship. The actual hangar itself and the design of the hangar and the implementation of the hangar is fine. It's when they put the characters in it and yeah. they green screen them into it, it's really obvious. Yeah, not 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 the best, even for two thousand and nine standards. Sorry, Dave TV channel, not not to snuff, I'm afraid. But as things start to go wrong and they're being pulled into this dimension hole, uh, we cut to a telly shop, a a a two th- a very two thousand and nine Earth telly shop, uh, where people are t- shopping for tellies, but they're also seeing what's happening on the screen. And yeah, they're uh, watching what's happening on Red Dwarf on that's the screens. It, yeah. And at first I was like, wait, what? And I will admit, it doesn't give you too long to think about it at first because it quickly cuts back to in the hangar. Like it's a quick glimpse at first. And then we see uh, Rimmer's light B get sucked through and then the other lads get sucked through as well. And now they are in this uh, TV shop. Although yeah, they I will literally say come out of the TV. They fly out the TV. They don't smash the TV. They just like fly out of it. Although I will say when, I think it's when Lister gets flung out, Again, it's very CG'd and it doesn't <laughs> I thought it looks CG. You know where you yeah. like skids are, it looks very CG and it doesn't look I get, you know, health and safety if you put Craig Charles throw him across a TV shop, potential health and safety risk. But yeah, it didn't, didn't Lister crashed crazy. into a table that seemed to be randomly in the walkway. Like they they clearly just wanted him to crash into something, so they were like, Oh, we'll just put this just, random table here that has no yeah. reason to be there. <laughs> so comedy he crashed gag, into that comedy wooden gag. table. Then 
Uh, um, Crichton had it kind of comes flying, shooting, and goes past several corridor um, aisles of televisions. Yes, and eventually crashes. And oh, then, he was what I was thinking of. Sorry, that's oh, CG. Is that the he one comes you were zooming yes. by. Yeah, it's yeah, a bit, that yeah, one. bit ropey. And then Cat just jumps out elegantly and does a little twirl, which I quite liked. I yeah. must admit, I, that that is very Cat and very series like one. I think we mentioned it last week. So he did something similar, though. You know those little like whoa, ah, he used to yeah. do, and then from like series three onwards, he didn't really do it again. So it's I like that we're getting those little catisms back. We're getting it's, a lot of nice. references, especially in this episode. I picked up on oh, so many references boy. back to previous <laughs> oh. episodes. In, oh, like it's... in one part, uh, which we'll get to, like they rattle off about five of them in the space of, of about yes, like, they do. 20 seconds. So We'll get to that when we get... Before we get into like what's <laughs> happening, though, I will say there's a little point where the people shopping for tellies ask if it's, if it's HD ready. And he goes like, yeah, so, yeah, sort of HD. That made me chuckle because just in the 2009, that was, I think, the peak when advert. You, do you remember like the digital switch over the big? We're moving yeah. away from analog, and you've you've got to be HD ready. You've got to get the. There was a lot of tele upgrades. It just obviously it was filmed in that time, so it just it it made me chuckle because I remember the big push. And as a kid, as a teenager, I didn't. I don't think I really got it at the time. Like the technical aspect, I was like, why do we need to change our our TVs and all that? So that made that made me laugh. Um. But, as you say, the people on the tellies are watching the Red Dwarf we're watching, which includes when they come through to this world, they're still being watched on those TVs. Yeah. And I I just wrote, this is insanely meta. And (laughs) right off the bat, I was like, I'm getting mixed feelings about this. Um, Yeah, I usually love meta stuff. I've I've just watched... Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but the new Alvin... Um, oh, Chip and Dale. Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Yes, oh, not I've Al- seen not, it. I was going to say Alvin and the Chipmunks. That's <laughs> Although the diff- they are that's referenced. Different. They, they are. are referenced. That's different Chipmunks. Um, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Uh, yes, and I've that seen is it. so meta and I love every moment of it. <laughs> I love but, most of it, but that, yeah. that's a conversation for another day. But, but this... Uh, yeah, you're right. It is also very meta, but I... Oh, it does not do it as well. Can I ask you, like, if you can remember when you first saw this back in 2009, because obviously they say with, with things like this, these reveals, they're going to be the most impactful when you see it for the first time. Can you remember mm. in these opening bits when you when you realized, oh, they're in our world, like where they're characters? Like what? Can you remember your like initial uh, thoughts? You know what? Happening? I can't remember. It's mm. so long ago, but I I can't remember, but I haven't watched this since then i think that's yes. probably an indication of what i thought about <laughs> it at the time um i don't think i i think i was excited that it was back i think i was a little bit disappointed with how cheap it looked yeah i can't remember what i thought of the story and the, the sure, kind of script sure. at the time but and and how it as you say it, it was a out. fair it was a fair time ago 13 yeah. years is a long time but um Sadly, the the realization I thought was kind of ruined a bit because you know when they're talking about uh, the TV salesman slagging off like Red Dwarf as a show and science fiction. Yes, that was very meta and kind of like lampshading um, uh, some of the tropes of the show because yeah, like with the size scan and yeah, yeah. The, he's going the the salesman to his customers is going oh yeah they have a, well first of all he says that he oh he, he's never really watched it but then he also knows about yeah, the size scan. Yeah. <laughs> there we go uh but he he's like oh yeah the size scan they'll just use that for it to get any old exposition cut to them in the in the rear behind kind of at, at the back of the shop 
doing just that, using the exactly. sky scan to get out of the exposition. That was that was slightly clever, I guess. Um, yeah. I, but then they I, ruin it by making a penis joke. Yeah. Oh, two penis jokes, I should say. First, that it, this guy has a small penis, like, haha, very funny. And then, what, something about penis enlargement cream or something like that. And again, like I said, it's those moments where there's no laugh track, no music, nothing. It just felt awkward. Yeah. It's like, why are you, I don't want to hear about the sound, like... It, it it just it gave me very vivid flashbacks to like the Crikey TV style of humor that and I'm like no no like we don't need we, it's been ten years we don't need to do this again. Um, we get a, we get a little commentary on 2009 viewing habits. You know where Rimmer says, "Oh, Saturday night television, they stick freaks on the TV to sing and dance for their you know obvious things like X Factor and yes all that sort of stuff." Which you could argue dates this a little bit, but I mean. Yeah, X Factor's not a thing now, but there are still shows where people are made... Britain's Got Talent, I guess, and things like that, so... Yeah, it does date it, but it, apparently, originally the script had specifically mentioned 2009. And I think, according to the IMDb trivia section anyway, Craig Charles was the one that specifically said, oh, we shouldn't put the actual year in, we should just keep it vague and say early 21st century, so that it that's, doesn't date it too that's much. That's a good sci-fi fan right there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's true, though, isn't it? In a lot of sci-fi, comedy or drama, as soon as you start putting years to things, it, it, it well, it will, isn't it? That's the facet of it. But um, yeah, sure enough, we, we they we do sorry, get uh, Crichton's high-pitched voice again. I know. Uh, I know oh yes, you're, you're a fan of high. <laughs> it, high see, voice. I, it did. It made it made me smile, but it didn't make me laugh. I think that's the dist- do you know what I mean? It didn't make it just made me smile like, oh yeah, it's the high pitched voice, but yeah. maybe it's because it didn't have a laugh track. I, well, I don't while know. While they're still in the video shop as well, they read the back of the DVD cover. Did which you do actually the back of the DVD <laughs> yeah, cover? It's I read it with the same them. Text. I grabbed yeah. it and I was like, Oh my god, it's so weird. <laughs> but you know what? I hadn't read that before watching Back to Earth. If I'd have read that, you know, where it's just like they search for the actors, I would have been like, What on earth is this? Yeah. And um, there was a joke that yeah. I thought was going to be one of my favorite jokes, but how it ended kind of was really weird. So Rimmer goes, oh, not a three-parter. I hate three-parters, which I thought was a possibly yeah. a fun meta reference back yes. to maybe back in the red part one, two, and three. Um, and then the scene just stops. Like, it just cuts yeah, to them in a different freeze, place. Yeah, they all don't they? Yeah. Different place. And, like, there's no punchline. He's, he says something else, and then there's not a punchline to it. And then it kind of just fades as a quick yeah. fade and a quick, and it's them in a different part of the shopping center. It's like, what? That scene, why did that it's, scene just end? That, that doesn't yeah. feel like the scene has ended. It's really it's, weird. It's very bizarre. I know like on Dave, they have uh, commercial breaks, so they have to, I think that's where the fade to black bits come from. But even yeah. then, if you know you're going to have commercial break, have a, like say, have a punchline, have something. Yeah, because even it. if I'd been watching that on Dave, and it went to a commercial break there. I would have, I would have felt that they had gone to a break in the middle of a scene, yeah, and not wait till the end of the scene. It was very bizarre. Yeah, just odd. I did like the uh, video DVD joke that yes, made me chuckle a little bit. That was bit good about because, losing yeah. discs and because uh, we've, are too we've big. mentioned this on the pod before. Why are they using VHSs? And obviously, yes. it's because it started in the eighties, and that's what people used then. But they've now got an in-universe explanation for it. They use VHSs exactly. in the future because people kept on losing DVDs, so they went back to VHSs. See, nice little continuity tie up there. Nice really, little continuity. Nicely done. Of course, it nicely does, um, you know, gloss over the fact that 
again, they wouldn't have known this at the time, but it dates it somewhat that, you know, now digital media, you don't need either. No, it's it's got one of those, isn't it? Um, but they suss out that they're in our world. Uh, yes, viewer, yours and our world, where Back to Earth is literally happening right now in that moment. They don't know how many episodes they've got left. And although we get this Series 10 reference that you mentioned last week, because as, mm. as you say, on the back of your Blu-rays and DVDs, it does say this takes place after the events of Series 10. So, and there's a moment later, I was going to ask you this. So, you know, Back to Earth as a three-part... Is it considered series nine? Because of it's course, then listed everywhere. Like if you look on IMDb, if you watch it on, well, just anywhere it tends to be listed, it does tend to be listed as series nine. Yes. So yeah, because the next series after this is labeled series ten. Um, yeah. But there's a moment. Well, there's a moment later on where they mention series. I'll get to that when we get there. But that that confused me a little bit. So I'm very curious to see what series ten is going to be about now when we get there. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I think they kind of. Yeah, I I don't think they necessarily knew that they were going to be making any more when they made this. So when they eventually made Series 10, it doesn't necessarily line up with what they say here. Ah, I see. Interesting. (laughs) The the plot thickens further. Um, But then they decide they need to get some money. Because, you know, in our world, as as you know, in our world, money makes the world go round here. So they need some money. Um, Crichton tries to sell his head. Uh, that doesn't quite work. So in an attempt to get money, they just start selling, I'm guessing, random odds and sods they, they have? They just have all this stuff on the table? No, they, no, the, this is this is the joke. They they are finding all this stuff down the back of the sofa. Oh, The joke that, being that, that everyone, you always find loads of random stuff yeah. and, and money down the back of a sofa. So they've gone to this sofa, which is actually, they're in a sofa store. They are. loads of sofas. But they're still finding loads of stuff down the back of the sofa, even though it's a sofa store. Um, See, that's a good joke. Is there a shot of them though, like looking like with their hand down a sofa yeah, grabbing I think stuff? So. Oh, I must have just missed that then. The the way I watched it, it just seemed like they just had this stuff and they were they were selling it. Although I mean, some of the stuff they were selling was condoms, which I could totally believe Lister would just have in his pocket because you know. So yeah, no, no, that was condoms they had found down the back. Right, of the well. Sofa. Uh, that is a good joke. Store. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's a clever joke. Um, they decide after getting a bit of money that they need to go to this uh, sci-fi shop called They Walk Among Us. And Which is I, a real sci-fi I shop. I was going to ask. It, yeah, the frontage, it looked too like fleshed out to be fake. Do you know mm, what I mean? It yeah. looked too... Is it it's still a, there now? I, I don't know if it's still there now, um, but it was, it was indeed a real... Um, a real one. Uh, it was, I think it's in, let me see. Hold on. I, I saw right. it written somewhere. I'm, I must admit, when they were mentioning this, I was like, are we going to get a Forbidden Planet reference? Is it? Because obviously, I, you'd argue that's that the biggest good, one yeah. in London. Uh, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, there, it's called They Walk Among Us. It is a real comic book shop and it's in Richmond, London. Whether or not it's still, Google it now. Yeah, why they not? Walk. We'll see if it's, so if anyone wants to visit this shop that was seen in Back to Earth, we're going to see if it still is open. I'm on the street in Street View, <laughs> but it's apparently on. Is it I still open, it's still dear viewer? Oh wait, what's this? Oh no, it is still there. It's ah. well, there is there is a comic book shop on that street. It's no longer called They Walk Among Us. It's now called Raygun. Oh, slightly less interesting title, but it does look like the right frontage. 
from what we saw in the, the show. But Well, yeah. there you go. If you're around Richmond or if you're ever flocking by, maybe maybe check it out for yourself. See if it's still there. So they go to They Walk Among Us and r- right away as they go in, there's a lot of Red Dwarf merch. I take it, was this real merchandise? I th- Yes, it was. Some of it um, I definitely recognize. There's the, you could buy the Starbug with the little tiny people that you saw on the counter. Um, and I'm sure there's things like the publicity shots were sold at conventions oh, and things. So Absolutely. And you can see all the DVDs in the background in a lot of the shots, which I thought was a nice touch. Um the you know the the gaggers they go in and they say oh yeah listening to music and the shop owner's like no mm. that do, I can't remember does he explain what he's, they don't really go anywhere with that do they no he's just I think it's meant to be like yes this is a slightly he's just weird a bit odd guy. yeah because it just sort of happens and I was like oh okay that was that was a joke you know <laughs> so, yeah there are so again, many references in this scene though it's not just oh like what what decorates the set because it doesn't the, stop the merch and stuff there's <laughs> A space core directive joke from the. There is. Uh, it's been a while since we've had one of those from the comic book guy, and there is. And the um, owner is the fan. You know, he's like, oh, "I love it when you get it wrong and all that." You know, that is. Yes. That is that, isn't it? Yeah. And then, of course, Rimmer does get it wrong. He because the comic book guy lists a directive number, and yes, he's like, "I love it when you get it wrong," and then Rimmer does get it wrong. I can't remember what he says now. Then... Something about mon- space monkeys withdrawn banana privileges or something like that. That's the one. Something um, like that. Uh, yeah, so there's all that. And then there's a list of, like, they need to get somewhere. And so the guy is listing off. I, he seems to just accept that they're the real Yeah, the he's real the people. only one who's just like, yeah, you know, you're, you know, you... Because I thought he was going to freak out, you know, and be like, oh, my God, it's, you know, Craig, Craig Charles. Charles or, yeah. yeah. But he's no, just like, yeah, yeah, dimension dimension slide. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah. So he suggest- he has a load of suggestions for how they would get to where they need to go. He's like, Holly Hop Drive. And, yes, and these are all deep yeah. cut references to old episodes. So Holly Hop Drive, time, time paddle, slides. time yeah. slides. Yeah. And, and yeah. they were like, no, that's back on Red Dwarf and... Although we do get this joke where he's like, oh, well, you could just beam there. And they all go, no, no, that's Star Trek. No, that's not (laughs) us. That's not us. So so Trek is is canonical in this universe and also their universe. Clearly, Yes. And they Um, and he also references the series nine, which, of course, we know this is what have not seen. This is what I'm talking about. The the bathtub from series nine. And he says um, it is uh, and he says it referring to Kachansky's death. Yeah, and he says um, it's the best series. So we've we've yes. missed out in the real world on the best series. Yeah, because I wrote right. So if back Back to Earth is usually classed as series nine, but we haven't seen this happen yet. Uh, no, so... so this is a different series. So this is yeah, we call this series. I would refer to Back to Earth now in hindsight as series nine, but right. obviously they weren't when they were making it. They were trying to imply there had been a series nine, which there hadn't been. Which does, actually, we've been referring to it as them coming into our world. It's not our world because we never got Series 9. So it's a it's a adjacent world, which is very similar to our world, but not quite the same, where we also have Red Dwarf. But their world got one more series than we got. <laughs> oh, isn't <laughs> it a good job? two series, potentially. Isn't so, it a good job we're all more acquainted with multiverses now? <laughs> yes. This might be confusing. A Red Dwarf multiverse. I should make a video yes. on that. Um, you should. <laughs> There'd be a lot of potential there. But um, yeah, they get a they contact the head of the Red Dwarf fan club, who is known as Red, who's changed his name to Reg, Reg Dwarf. 
Was it no Reg War? Well, yeah. they go, they don't contact him. They've they oh, go sorry, to the comic book guy contacts they, him. They no, they go to um, the props guy. So they go to the guy that um, Mr. Swallow. Yeah, who made the like prosthetics apparently for the show in mm. this in this version anyway. Um, and he's he's somebody else who also just accepts that they are the real people. Yes, that's true. Uh, as they before we get to him, though, you know, they take the bus. To oh, they get do to take him. the bus. Yes, that's yeah. true. One thing, but Cat keeps leaving these gold things. He leaves one in the sofa shop, like a little gold foil thing that the camera focuses on, and then he leaves one on the bus. It's just oh, okay. like the same thing. I didn't notice this, but I think this is something that was referred to in the trivia section of IMDb, where it says Cat leaving a piece of origami TV in the TV shop is a nod to Blade Runner and is the start of the whole Blade Runner theme. Oh, because on the back of the box, it says like in true Blade Runner fashion yeah, or something like that. They hunt out right. their creators. I've yeah. not seen Blade Runner. I'll hold my hands up now. I haven't seen it. So I have, if... but it was a while ago and I'm a bit hazy on what happened. Yeah. But I just know there, it was those two times and I thought, wait, what? Like, is this, is this meaning something? But if it's a Blade Runner reference, then that's, that's completely over my head. Um, but as they're on this bus, Lister through the SFX magazine, no less, which is... I wonder if that was a real issue. You know, the one with the cover of them. I wonder if that was Oh, a, yeah. I'd, I wonder. Um, but in that magazine, he finds out that the in this world, the actor who plays Kachansky is a mum, uh, which I'm guessing explains why she isn't in the, the series anymore. Um, and he says, oh, well, she's alive then. And then we get this this cute little scene with these two kids. Yeah. Who come up and again just accept that he that well they say you're you're Dave Lister. There's just that no no question there. Um what did you think of this scene then with the kids? It was yeah, it was kind of sweet, but again it kind of felt like it was like the whole of Back to Earth so far has felt lacking of energy and this wasn't an exception. But yeah. it was the kids and stuff they were quite sweet and you know they weren't terrible kid actors. Sometimes you can get kid actors and things that are Oh We've seen a lot worse, worse I'm sure. Bad. Yeah, but these yeah. they were okay. Um, you know, not, yeah, not Oscar worthy or anything, but you no. know, perfectly. We learn a acceptable. we learn a we learn a bit more about basically what's going on with Kachansky. Um, yeah, these kids say they they figured it out uh, as they do. They don't explain how they figured it out, but alas, they have. Um, that Crichton was the only one who saw Kachansky die, quote unquote, die. Um, and they reveal to Lister that he was like driving himself towards death, basically, like drinking and all that sort of stuff. And rather than stay and face that, she wanted to get out. So she took Blue Midget and ran. And Crichton, knowing how heartbroken Dave would be, just said that she died. Yeah. <laughs> Which she dumped makes, him, you know, basically. She dumped yeah, him she and dumped left him. On, the, on the Blue Midget. Which I'd say that's not too implausible. No. Especially for that version of Kachansky. I feel yeah. it's not too implausible. Um so yeah, but I like this mate because again, like with uh, part one and the bit where he goes to the gravestone, I like that. I always enjoy seeing Craig Charles not just doing like the comedy side of it, how he actually gets a minute to sort of do a bit more, not more of the serious side, but you know, something a bit more dramatic and a bit more with a bit more emotion in it. I agree with you that the energy isn't a hundred percent there, which is a shame. But I, I like the change of pace every now and then. Yeah, I like that we get a moment just to sort of learn a bit more. Uh, but it does make me wonder if, I mean, you'll, you might remember more than me. I'm not sure. I do remember. I do remember. I do wonder if we are going to see Chloe Arnett 
in part three, even if it's just as like a cameo, um, it does it does make me wonder because we're getting a lot of exposition about Kachansky now, um, and I just think it'd be a shame not to have that come to fruition. But hey, we've got one more part, so we'll see. Um, but uh, and I wrote actually in my notes, I put wait, so maybe we'll find because uh, one of the kids says, why don't you make that the thing of the next series going a finder? Yeah. So I wrote in my notes, oh, so is that going to be the plot of series 10? But as you've said, it's not necessarily what they're implying. So I'm guessing it won't be. Um, my lips yeah. are sealed. <laughs> no <now>. spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, as they hop off the bus, they're about to go to Nose World. And the science officer from part one appears. She just says, yeah, I opened another dimension hole, you know, as you do. Um, and... She says to, she says to Rimmer about the whole. Oh, I've come to like erase you. And what did say? It's like, oh, is isn't that first degree murder? And she says, oh no, it's oh. What's her reasoning for it? Uh, it's okay because k- k- killing holograms is uh, morally and ethically fine because they're already dead. Yes, she, she says it. to Rimmer, and then Rimmer's like, oh, okay then, and then literally just pushes her in front of a car. <laughs> It's it's a very savage Rimmer moment, like because there's no remorse there whatsoever. He's just like, all right, and then just like it's using her own logic absolutely. against her. Do you know? And I will admit, it did. This might sound horrible. It did make me laugh, but I <laughs> yeah. think more for the the sheer randomness of it. Like that was the last thing I was expecting to happen. Yeah, it's the last um, thing you were expecting to happen in that moment. But equally, it is absolutely so Rimmer. To oh do God, it. yeah. Just as soon as he's got that reasoning, he's like, right, yep, that's it. And Chris, again, Chris Barry's face is just like, no, no remorse, no hesitation. He's just like, yeah, we're doing this. But then I'm like, is the science, is that the science officer done then? And is she, she might come back in part three. I don't know. If she doesn't, I'll be like, well, (laughs) so she appeared for five minutes in part one, two minutes in part two. And that, do you know what I mean? I I hope, yeah, I kind of want her to pop up in part three just to sort of round it off. But who knows? We'll see. We'll see. So they arrive at Nose World, where Mr. Swallow um, is working on his noses, as he does. Um, and like you say, he just accepts that they are what they are, doesn't even question it. Say, like, oh, Mr. Charles or Mr. Barry is just like, yeah, you're the you're the characters, quite clearly. But he claims that he doesn't have the answers, but the big boss has the answers, um, which he doesn't say who that is yet. Not by like name, no. he just calls him the big boss. The big boss. And it's a he, so hmm. Well, I wonder, I wonder. Um, but he offers them a, a bit of transport to to get where they need to go. The only thing he's got is the red door is Mr. Worf's uh car, the fam club president's car, for which they all react to it and say they can't drive in this, but then they end up doing. And uh, Phil, would you like to describe to the audience what the car actually is? Well, the car is a modified smart car, a modified smart four two to be precise. Um, Ooh, and uh, it's been modified in a certain way, as you might expect from a Red Dwarf fan club president, to look like Starbug. Yes. It's green. <laughs> it's been painted green. It's got wings added to it. It's yep. got these little, little things that come out of the wheels. Yes. Um, it is, uh, yeah, very, uh, very interesting. It's at, It completely wasn't roadworthy, uh, which means that they oh. weren't allowed to film on actual roads. So they had to film... Yeah, I can't. I'm not sure if you try how you pronounce this, but the Quintig headquarters in Farnborough, Hampshire. Because oh, they, so not so not public roads, not so public roads. Yes, because yeah. it's yeah. not. Um, it wasn't street legal, so it couldn't be driven in London. So they they had to take it to private property to film it. 
Uh, but it does look good. <laughs> I quite. I do, yeah, no, it's cute. Nice little Starbug modification. I'm surprised. Do you know what? I bet that car pro- pops up at Red Dwarf conventions and I bet. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And um, as they're driving it, uh, they haven't said, they, they didn't say where they were driving it to, did they? No, not initially. They, they... They're just looking for the big boss. Yeah. But in their, <laughs> in their quest to find the big boss, they end up on Coronation Street outside that. Yes, that Coronation Street outside the Rover's return. And then the episode ends. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got now this is a much better cliffhanger. Oh, than part definitely. One. Yeah. Because last uh, part one kind of was like, oh, it, that doesn't feel like an end of that. Doesn't yeah, feel the like portal's an open and that's it. But this actually felt like, a, ooh, I, what's I have here? I have several questions. <laughs> so I'm wondering, obviously, we'll find out in part three, I'm sure. But I'm like, is this Coronation Street as in, are they going to meet the characters or are they on the set and they're going to meet the actors who play the character? Do you get what I mean? Mm, I get what you mean. Because obviously at the minute, we're just seeing they're pulling up there, but we don't know if, if in this world, not our world, this world, Coronation Street might be a real place uh, or it could be the set. Um, but yeah, I did not expect a Red Dwarf crossover with Coronation Street. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Doctor Who did it with EastEnders. Red Dwarf's doing it with Corrie. So yeah. Now we just can, need somebody to say? do it with um, Emmerdale. Yes. And, and it will trio. happen. Give it time. Give it time. So yeah, I mean, yeah, much better cliffhanger. I'm very intrigued to see where uh, where part three is going to end up. Um, so before we... In fact, no, I'll ask you when we get to the ranking, actually. Let's okay. do our regular segment. So, Phil, who was your favorite character in this mm. episode? Who was my favorite character? That is a tough one. Um, I'm going to go with the guy in the comic book shop. I think he's called Noddy, isn't Noddy, he? Yeah, Noddy, yeah, Noddy, yeah. Who is yeah. played, I think, by somebody who is in Downton Abbey. He's oh, played by was... Jeremy Swift, who played... That rings a bell. ...a butler in... of. Um, not the main butler of the main house. He played the butler of the um, like one of the other rich ladies, older ladies who had another oh, house. Very good. There you go, Downton fans. There's your there's your trivia for the day. Yeah, I think we talked about Downton last week as well, didn't we? <laughs> yes, yeah, we did. <laughs> a lot of Downton connections. We'll find a clearly. way to throw in Downton next week as well. I'm sure. Oh yeah, we'll figure it out. So you, Noddy's getting yeah, it for you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be honest, the slim pickings here. I think, but. <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of like, I thought it was a, even though it was pretty much just like, oh, reference after reference after reference, I think yeah. he delivered them quite well. They were quite, yeah, fun. yeah. his delivery was quite funny. So yeah, I, at one point I thought, I don't know if you thought that when they then got on the bus afterwards, I was like, is that the same guy playing the bus driver? But, oh yeah. I, yeah. But it wasn't, but no. it, somebody who, I get what you mean though. Very yeah. similar. Very um, similar looking. But yeah, so I'm giving it to Noddy. Who Good are you giving Noddy. it to? I'm giving it to Lister again. Um, just because, again, I, I think Craig Charles, even though we think the energy's down, I think he's still putting in the most engaging performance at the minute out of the four of them. And again, we get that nice little difference with the scene on the bus with the kids. Because uh, I think I'd, I'd be very curious to see Craig Charles in an actual drama I'm sure he's been in... Do you know what I mean? I'd love to see him act in a part that doesn't involve comedy. Yes. I think he can do it. I'm sure he can do it. So I'd love to see that. But um, no, I like the differentiate. And this, even though it's all four of them, at the minute to me, this this feels very much like Lister's story. 
Yeah. And I'm kind of okay with that at the minute. Out of the four of them, I think with this plot, if you're going to focus on one of them, I'd want it to be Lister. So yeah, kind of... well, I suppose he's the only, he's, you know, he's the human getting back to Earth. I mean, I suppose Chris yeah. Barry is, uh, Rimmers is a human as well, but he's a dead human. So <laughs> it's it's kind of more important for yeah. Lister, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Lister this time. Second week, and will part three, well, it might make it a hat trick, we'll see. But um, funniest moment, Phil. Was it Slim Pickings here as well? Or? It was Slim Pickings. I'm going to give it to Rimmer committing uh, hollow side <laughs> <laughs> and oh god and shoving um, Katrina into yeah. oncoming traffic. It, yeah, it was. It like you said, it was just kind of so out of nowhere, and it was like oh yeah, you're like, oh and, that happened, and the like, way okay. he was using her own logic against her. She just finished saying that it's okay to kill holograms, and he's just like. Oh, okay then. Yeah. All right. Fine. No, very good. Strong choice. I'm giving it to the Star Trek gag because I've got to admit that did give me that did get me the biggest laugh. Just their reaction to it. Um, complete disgust. Like, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. That's not us. Or I, as I uh, he might say from a series three episode, uh, it's too early in the morning for any of that Star Trek crap. <laughs> yes. I, do you know what? As they said it, I thought I know they've done a Star Trek reference before by by name so that's what it was and what about your score phil out of how many scutters out of 10 are we giving this is this higher than part one less than part one it is less than part one. Oh, okay i'm i'm debating between a four and a four and a half which Ooh. either one is my lowest score ever and and did part one did you give it a five i gave it a five which is equal yeah. with my with Crazy TV and another one for lower score, but uh, I think I'm gonna have to give it a four. I think it's four. Yeah. Why? Why do you think then this one's I weaker? I think it's I out of the environment of Red Dwarf, and they're in this kind of I don't know. It just feels like it's it's less Red Dwarf. <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? It, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of like what they're going for, and I do. Like I said, I love meta stuff. Usually, I really love meta stuff, but I don't think it's really working as they intended it to here. Sure. I don't know. It's it. It was a drag. <laughs> it was a drag. That's what, fair enough. What about you? Well, do you know what I think? I'm going to give this higher than part one. Okay. I'm giving this a six out of ten. Um, because there were, there's a lot of problems still, as we've said. I think the lack of a studio audience is still a big problem for the most part. I think the energy's a bit down in certain scenes. The meta stuff, I'm very, I still, I'm very mixed on. Uh, there's little glimmers of it that I think really work. I don't know if it should be the main focus of like a little mini series of Red Dwarf, but that might just be me. Um, but I, th- I I think I enjoy I definitely enjoyed this more than part one personally. Mm-hmm. If you ask me okay. out of those two at the minute, which one would you rather rewatch? I'd probably choose part two. So yeah, yeah, six out. Of, no, I'm pretty firm with that. Six out of ten. So a bit higher than I think I gave Back to Earth part one. I think I gave that a four. Like I certainly gave it lower than a six. I know that. Yes, so, I can't remember what you gave it, but it was yeah. definitely either a five or a four somewhere yeah. around there. I'm leaving off feeling very not positive. I'm I'm intrigued to see how this wraps up. Let's put it that way. I'll cut. Co- I'll come back next week, as they say. 
Um, before we just close off, Phil, I did want to ask you, given that the a huge part of this episode, you know, is about meta and about like references and and we see this a lot in like media to like you mentioned the Chip and Dale movie, which is basically meta the movie. Yeah. Like that is every scene there's a reference or there's a visual gag. And a lot of it's good. You know, a lot of it's funny. Um, but also, I guess, you know, n- nostalgia, you could argue as well, like we've had with the recent Spider-Man film, uh, the Doctor Strange multiverse, you know, multiverses as well. Yeah. Given that this was done a bit before that, but what what's your stance on Red Dwarf going full meta? Do you think it works? I think it can or? work. I think it could have worked. I think it's just a bad uh, combination of some of the creative choices they made with it. Because I even think some of the jokes, which I don't think land in this could have worked hmm. it's just that the way either the way they're delivered or because they're delivered without any laughter but still leaving the spaces for the laughter it's i i just think that they should have done it i don't know structured it differently maybe i would absolutely be up for another meta filled red dwarf but yeah i just think that they need to do it slightly differently yeah no, I'd agree with that. I think that, that, again, there's little glimmers of it that I think really do work with the meta references. But then I think because there's this whole argument, the more you lean on like nostalgia and references and think, you know, like in the comic book shop, there's a lot of references. And I know, and especially in long running sci-fi shows, people say, do too much references to the past make it inaccessible or, you know, things like that. Yeah, well, maybe. You know. It's not the references that make this bad though that's the thing it's just the way it's, yeah. it's made and like the having random scenes which just stop in the mid sort of <laughs> before a punchline even comes and oh, there's just yeah. nothing to sort of bookmark yeah. the end of the scene it just kind of like fades out and fades into another scene as if like you've cut it off halfway through the scene like choices yeah. like that are what really like let this down i think I wonder if we, because I think we'll eventually, out of curiosity, watch the director's cut of this. Yeah. We're watching it episodically as transmitted, but the director's cut is one, I believe, 70 minute long version of it. And I, I'd hope that in that, the fades to black won't be present, because obviously it wouldn't have been on TV. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, so maybe I'm really the pacing might be improved. If, if it'll change my opinion on it. I've got a gut feeling that I think the director's cut will be more enjoyable. I don't know why. Mm. If that was the original intention of making it like a movie rather than a three-parter, then I think, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. We've got part three. So, yeah, definitely come back next time because we'll be covering part three to see if the conclusion of this uh, redeems itself or if it just tanks it a bit further. We'll have to see. But in the meantime, Phil, where can the good people listening find you on the internet? You can find me on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Philip Hawkins. Come, come and check out all my videos. Well, this podcast goes up there, but I also cover things like Doctor Who and the MCU and Star Trek and all sorts of geeky pop culture. So come and come and see what I've got over there. And you can find me on Twitter at Culture Filter, but Filter is spelled P-H-I-L-T-E-R because my uh, name you is see Phil. what he did there? Yes, yeah. No, that's grand. What about and, you? Um, for me, it's Adam Martin on YouTube at Martin with a Y for all my videos and whatnot. I'm also on Twitter at Adam Martin AMTV. You can check out my daily ramblings there. the The podcast also has a um, has a Twitter as well at All Dead Dave Pod. You can follow us there to keep up to date with new episodes, Red Dwarf related stuff, all sorts of things. So go and check us out there. Yes. Well, two down, 
one to go. We'll see if Back to Earth uh, can fully redeem itself. I don't know if you're ex- if excited is the right word, Phil, but I'm certainly intrigued. Mm, definitely. Yes. Well, until then, next time, dear viewer, we shall see you later. See you. Bye. Bye.